been listening to Redeemer Church of Denton's sermon audio. For more information about Redeemer Church, visit us online at RedeemerDenton.com. Well, the anchor holds, though the ship is battered. Pastor Lawrence and his wife were hurting. They were in a storm. They, had, uh, they felt like a, a battered, beat-up ship. Pastor Lawrence was a pastor of a church in South Carolina that he and his uh, wife had planted, and they were at the tail end of, of a really difficult year. There were a number of storms that had come into his life. Uh, first off, his father had passed away. His wife had had a, had a major health scare, and they had a miscarriage that year. To, to cap maybe everything off, their church that they had planted and poured their lives into, it was in the middle of a church split. And even though uh, Pastor uh, Lawrence and his wife had been in ministry for about 19 years, all of that kind of culminated uh, into this reality that their souls were just tired, and they felt like just a battered, beat-up ship. He took a six-month sabbatical from ministry, and he really just spent a lot of that time alone. And he had been a, a musician and a worship leader in college, but he hadn't led, uh, he hadn't led uh, worship. He hadn't uh, played any music in years. And one of the things that he did is he just uh, started playing piano again. And so just sitting at, at that piano, singing and working things out, it became this place where he just kind of got a lot of stuff out. And he just dealt with the grief of his father's death. He dealt with all that was going on. And he just prayed and played that piano. And through that, his soul was rejuvenated. The best way he described that season was, again, that phrase, the anchor holds, though the ship is battered. That's why Hebrews 6, 19 and 20 is so important. This passage is so key because all of us at some point in our lives are going to go through storms and our souls are going to feel battered. We're going to feel like these ships that have just been beat up. And the question is, is will the anchor hold? And listen, there's a lot of different ways that our souls can be battered, right? Like, like we're coming out of the pandemic. I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. But for some of us, this season of the pandemic, it, it's just been chaotic. It's been filled with burdens. And maybe you've just kind of buckled down. You, you've, you've hung on to the ride. But at the end of it, you just feel exhausted and you feel beat up. Maybe for some of you, you've lost a close relationship this year, maybe even a spouse. And listen, you're just, all of that has just taken your breath away. It has just felt like you've been kicked in the stomach. For some of you, maybe, it's, uh, maybe you've blown it up. Maybe it's been this old sin struggle that you've had, and now you're dealing with just the crushing consequences of your own sin. Life can feel like a storm, but again, the question is, will the anchor hold? If you're with us uh, for the first time, we've been in the middle of a of kind of a lengthy series to the book of Hebrews, and we take breaks to pace ourselves with it. But like I said in the, the announcement time, Hebrews 6 is one of the most difficult passages in all the Bible to interpret. And a lot of it has to do with, okay, who's the audience here? Who is he talking about? And as you look up, uh, even beginning in verse 1 and then down through 4 through 6, there's a question of, okay, who is he talking about here? Is he talking about someone who is maybe genuinely converted but yet hasn't gone on to maturity? Or is he talking about somebody who is a false convert, someone who hasn't truly been converted? I think it's, it's one of those two options. Now, some people think it's other options, but I think that those are really the only two valid options. 
Now, no matter how you interpret that, the charge or the application is the same. In both of those categories, the false convert or the one who hasn't gone on to maturity, the charge of Hebrews 6 is is to be diligent or to be earnest in your faith. You see, the problem with people in both of those categories is they have not been diligent in their faith. They floated along through life. Or they just haven't taken their walk with God seriously. And as a result, that has led them to these places to where the Bible is questioning even if they're a Christian at all. So false converts and immature Christians, they happen when people don't take their faith seriously. When they're not earnest in their salvation. When they're not striving to understand the gospel. When they quit doing the work of applying God's word to their life. However, as Hebrews 6 continues on, The author admits that he believes in, this is from verse 9, he believes in better things for his audience. He talks about these people who have fallen away and and the disaster of that and the pain of that and how if they're not really a Christian, they're on a pathway to hell. But but he says, listen, I believe something better for you. I believe in better things for you. And, And we saw last week that the reason that he believes in better things for them is because of the promises of God And also that God guarantees those promises. That's why he believes that these people have better things. Therefore, no matter the storm that comes, Jesus is our anchor, he's our hope, and he's our forerunner. That's the better things that we have. So better than all the other temptations of the world and better than all the things that are calling you to fall away, we have something better. We have an anchor, we have a hope, and we have a forerunner. Let's look at the anchor first. Jesus is our anchor. Look at verse 19 with me. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Again, Hebrews 6 has called us to this diligent spirituality so that we won't fall away. And and he closes with this really encouraging word uh, about who Jesus is, what he accomplishes for us, and then how we can live that out. Jesus is our anchor. That's the charge here of this passage is hold fast, right? Don't fall away, hold fast. And if you think about it, that's exactly what an anchor does, right? An anchor holds fast. An anchor sinks its teeth into the bottom of the ocean and it it holds fast the ship from falling away. So an anchor keeps a a ship from moving from where it needs to be. It keeps a ship right where it's supposed to be. Therefore, an anchor provides security to a boat. It doesn't get tossed to and fro by the storms and by the waves because it has this secure and unmoved thing and it remains where it needs to be. That's what an anchor's job is. Some of you maybe are sailors. I'm not. But I did some interesting reading. It was interesting to me about how to moor a boat. Do you know what that is? Basically, the way you moor a boat is, is is you attach a line from the boat to something on top of the water, and then it drops down to the anchor, and then typically, then there's kind of this second anchor that comes underneath the boat. That's That's how you moor a boat. That's how you secure it even in the middle of the water. The thing that, uh, that we are moored to is an immovable God. He's the anchor. See, we're the ship. We're the one that can get tossed to and fro, but he's the anchor. He's the one that holds us there. So things might come that are more powerful than the boat, but they're not more powerful than the anchor, right? Things come, these storms come, but the question is, is the anchor more powerful than the storm? We know the boat isn't. 
We know the boat is going to get blown around, but the question is, will the anchor get blown around? Well, because nothing is more powerful than God. If He's our anchor, then we have a sure and steadfast anchor. You see, He's not going to bend. He's not going to twist. He's not going to break. He's not going to drag. He's not going to slip. So our confidence in the anchor is directly connected to the strength of the anchor. So if you want to have confidence, if you want to have hope for the future, if you want to stay right where you're supposed to stay, the issue is it's not your own strength, it's the strength of the anchor. So how big is it? What material is it made of? You see, nothing is bigger and stronger than God. He's sufficiently strong for any storm. He's stronger than anything that comes your way. Anything that tries to bring you off course, He is stronger and more powerful than all of those. He's stable in the face of anything that seems like an immovable mountain in your life. Another way of thinking about this is that God is more powerful than any storm that comes your way. Further, He's sovereign over all storms, which means He's always with you. He's always for you. He's sovereign over these things, which means even when these storms come, He's working good somehow in all these storms. It won't blow you away if He's your anchor. All this will remind us that we're not talking about some sort of abstract force, right? We're not talking about like the force in the Star Wars movie. We're also not talking about platitudes. Like we're not talking about these platitudes of love or faith. We're talking about a person. The anchor here is not faith. The anchor here is not some force that's out there. The anchor here is not love. The anchor here is Jesus. The anchor here is a person. The one that holds you steady is this personal God. Jesus is the anchor. Now, the reason why that's important is, is because that person who's in your life, he loves you in deeper ways than you can understand. He's with you in more intimate ways than you understand. He's more powerful over whatever is coming into your life that is pulling you away. He is right there with you and for you. That person, he is your anchor. Further, the Greek behind this phrase communicates that the anchor is something that Christians uh, presently possess. We're not just talking about something in the future. Now, it certainly has future implications. But we're talking about something in the here and now. We, we don't have an, an anchor that we're just talking about, okay, in the future you have an anchor. It talks about that right now, as a Christian, right now you have an anchor. Meaning your Christian life is marked by this thing that just holds you right where you're supposed to be. He's with you at all times. He's holding you secure. He's keeping you from falling away no matter what storm comes. He's better. He's better in quality than anything else that is tempting you to fall away. Again, is he strong enough? Is he made of the right stuff? He is. He's a better quality. He's a better material than anything that is trying to blow you over or, or anything that is trying to tempt you away. He's better than all of those things. We have an anchor right now. Well, what is he holding fast? Look again at your passage. We have a sure and fast anchor for the what? For the soul. Listen, in, in the Bible, the soul talks about the entirety of your person. It, it talks about who you really are. Maybe your true self is a way to think of it. Jesus is anchoring secure your whole being. M meaning in the, in the depths of your being, Jesus is intimately ministering to you. He's right there with you. You see, he's, he's with you in your thought life. He, he can hold you secure in your thought life from keeping your thoughts from running all over the place. 
He's right there in your emotions, on on how you're feeling something. Maybe those emotions are tempting you to be carried away in, in some way, but Jesus can meet you right there. He ministers to the soul, to all of who you are. He ministers to your behaviors and how you live your life. He's preserving your life. Jesus is ministering in more deep and more profound and more intimate ways than we can ever understand. He ministers to the whole soul. He's holding fast every aspect of your being all your thoughts, all your emotions, all your behaviors. He's holding you fast if you trust in Him. That's all good news, but what are we supposed to do with that? Well, well, I think a couple of things. First, we're to ponder and understand all of that. Listen, if we don't ponder and understand all of that, we can't use it. And further, I would challenge you in this. If you don't understand it, you can't enjoy it. Like, listen, as you think about this, something that, that brings you joy, doesn't it? Like this has been one of these passages that brought me great joy this week. This has been a good week of study for me, okay? Like, that God is our anchor. Doesn't that bring you joy? Amen? Amen. Like, that's, that's where we find happiness and joy. And listen, if we don't ponder it, if we don't understand it, it th- then we're not going to get to that place of joy. But listen, we're not just supposed to understand it in the abstract. Second, we're also supposed to believe it. Another way of saying this is we're supposed to trust it. You see, the avenue of being... Uh, anchored is more than understanding it's also believing maybe a way to think of this is that when you believe he's your anchor then he becomes your anchor he's not going to be your anchor if you don't understand him as your anchor and if you don't believe in him as your anchor but when you do trust him as your anchor he then becomes your anchor when you experience fear of how something um, is, is going to come together in the future we're to go back and understand how the gospel speaks to those situations you see, when, when you believe that He's our anchor, then you filter all of those worries or all those fears through the fact that He's our anchor. You see, listen, I don't know uh, how the test result is going to go for you. I, I don't know that uh, if you're going to get that job that you want. I don't know that as you look ahead to, to the next school year, I don't know if it's going to be great for you or if there's going to be challenges for you. However, what I do know is the Bible says that Jesus is more powerful than any storm that you face. He's going to hold you fast. He's going to hold you secure no matter the trial. That's what I do know. I don't know the circumstances of your life, but I do know that you have an anchor to your soul that is more powerful and better than all of those circumstances. Do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus is the anchor of your soul? If you do, then you have great hope. The second point here is that Jesus is our hope. Look again at verse 19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Because He's our anchor, He becomes our hope. You see, if we we have a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, then we always have a hope, right? See, if, if if none of life's storms are more powerful than Jesus the anchor then we have hope in all difficult circumstances. No matter what comes, you have something that is more powerful. You have real and lasting hope. For example, last week we looked at the life of Abraham. And Abraham had this interesting journey of faith. But at the end of the day, our hope and Abraham's hope wasn't in himself. His hope was in the promise maker and the promise maker who also guaranteed his promises, right? However, don't we have something better than Abraham? Like, we're on this side of the cross, right? So we actually have something better than Abraham. Like, like Abraham saw these promises made in the future. God made promises with him. But we're on the other side of Jesus fulfilling a lot of those promises. 
You see, we not only have just a promise like Abraham, we have the completed work of the cross. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because Jesus is our anchor, we always have hope. No matter the storm, you always have something good on the other side of it. Hope is just present optimism based upon uh, what you believe about the future. So when I get really discouraged, or in my counseling ministry, when I have a client who comes and they're, they're really discouraged, what I do for myself, what I do for them, is, is I go to these promises of God about the future. We just talk about, okay, what is our hope in the future? Because when we get discouraged here, what's going on is we, we forget about the hope that we have in the future. We forget about the good things that are coming. We, we forget about how God is working good in, in all of these uh, difficulties. So that I go to the promises of Jesus. If, see, if Jesus died on the cross for our sins, then we can believe promises like Hebrews 13, 5, which says, I will never leave you or forsake you. If he died on the cross for us, then that's true. Further, if Jesus rose again from the dead, then we can believe promises like Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So friends, no matter the storm, we can have present optimism. We can have optimism right now because of all of those promises are held secure by the anchor. We have a good future. But Hebrews 6.19 gives some further assurances. The further assurances that we can hope because it explains that Jesus has gone into the inner place behind the curtain. Now, in the, in the coming weeks, especially when we get into Hebrews 9, we're really going to look into Jesus' priestly ministry and what it looks like that he's the part of the Melchizedek, uh, he's a Melchizedek priest and, and what it means to go into the temple and all the different things that he does here. But, but for now, let me just say, he's talking about the Holy of Holies. He's talking about in the tabernacle or in the temple, they had this place, this Holy of Holies, and, and, and the chief priests were only supposed to go in there one day a year. They were supposed to go in there on the Day of the Atonement. But what that Holy of Holies was, was that was uh, this dwelling place of God. It, it was where God dwelled. Therefore, what the author of Hebrews is saying is that Jesus has gone into the presence of God. He's gone into this heavenly sanctuary. He's done this saving work in the presence of God. He's satisfied the wrath of God. He's now seated, exalted at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is our hope because of his priestly work. Friends, what glorious news, right? And this is a good place to stop and just reflect upon all these glorious things that Jesus has done for us. If you're sitting here today wondering what Christianity and the church is all about, it's right here. Jesus has gone into God's presence, satisfied his wrath, defeated sin and death, and is just reigning victoriously over all of creation. That's the good news. And if we believe in him, then we can be there with him. But listen, if you, have, um, if you haven't surrendered your life to him, then you only have platitudes. You only have speculation. I'm not going to waste your time today by, by dancing around some of that. If you're not trusting in him today, then listen, all you have is maybes. All you have is I think. All you have is speculation. You don't have something sure that you can rest on. And listen, the Bible teaches that we can have assurance of our salvation, not based upon our good works, but based upon his good work. 
The fact that he's accomplished these things for us. He's the one that went into the curtain. He went behind the curtain. He's the one who's gone into the presence of God. The Christian hope is in the person and the saving work of Christ. He went into the inner place behind the curtain so that you can have real hope about your future. That's the ground of it. That's the guarantee of it. You see, you don't have to wonder Jesus has gone behind the curtain. He's gone into the inner sanctuary. He's done the work. He's prepared the place for you. Are you hoping in Him today? This is the the great encouragement of this passage, is that question. What are you hoping in today? You see, Hebrews 6.19 is clear that Jesus is our hope. The last thing is that He's our forerunner. Look at verse 20 with me. When Jesus has gone, uh, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This verse is kind of a a transition into the next chapter, and again, with this focus on Jesus' priestly ministry. But but again, just see that for now, He's gone behind the curtain. He's done the work of being our forerunner. This means that He's gone before us. He's an advanced guard, if you will. He's the the first unit. He's cleared the way. He's done all this so that we can then arrive safely with Him. You see, the previous verses explain how Jesus went behind the curtain and into this inner sanctuary. But verse 20 gets more specific. It talks about the aspect of of Jesus' ministry once He's gone in there. And the purpose of that, He's gone in to prepare a place for us. Like the high priest ministry on the Day of Atonement. All that was done on behalf of God's people. And in a similar way, Jesus' priestly ministry is done on our behalf. It's done for our benefit. Further, we know that Jesus always accomplishes what he, what he sets out to accomplish, right? Are you with me on that point? When Jesus sets out to accomplish something, He accomplishes it, okay? So if He has gone in here, if He's gone before us and, before our, and it's for our benefit, then we're guaranteed that benefit. Do you see that? Because He's done it. And he always accomplishes what he sets out to accomplish. It's guaranteed here. He's gone into the sanctuary. He's prepared that place for us. He's set it for us and we can, it's guaranteed. Jesus said in John 14, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So friends, if you trust in Jesus, your place is secure because He's gone before you and He's prepared that place. Again, this is a good moment to stop and say, isn't that good news? Amen? Isn't that good news? Jesus is sitting on the throne in that heavenly sanctuary. You see, He's entered the dwelling of God and He's done all of it for your benefit. He's done all of it to bless you. He's done all of it to prepare that place for you. He prepared a a way for us by dying on the cross. He prepared a place for us uh, as our our priestly forerunner. And listen, uh, this isn't uh, irrelevant, abstract, theological speculation. You see, this this is what the Lord of Lords is telling us that He has done for us. This is what He's done for you. He's sovereign and He's powerful enough to do it. Further, He's holy The Bible says that He is holy. The Bible says that He is love. Therefore, all of this stuff, all this strong and mighty works that He does, it's not disconnected from His holiness. It's not disconnected from His love, which means it's good and it's right 
Everything that he's done here, all this priestly ministry, it's right and it's good. Also, what that means is that it's for his glory, that when we see it and when we ponder it and that we live according to it, he is glorified in it. And listen, that's not separated from the fact that it's for your good. Amen. When we believe this and we live according to this, he's certainly glorified, but we experience the good of it. My point is, is that he can be trusted in this ministry. Therefore, he's a firm anchor to our souls. Brothers and sisters, we have real hope. We have something different than what the world has. We have something that is real and that we can count on. Isn't this the most wonderful news you've heard? Doesn't this just make your heart happy? Like that's what I kept going back to as I studied through this this week. This journey of looking at these truths, it just fills me with joy. Doesn't it just make your heart happy? Doesn't it cause you uh, to not be as anxious and fearful or as angry as you were before? You see, Hebrews 6, 19-20 gives us a reason to believe. You see, these verses give us a reason to draw near to Him, not to fall away. Because He's our forerunner. He becomes a sure and steadfast anchor. Thus, we have hope no matter the storms. Listen, I'm convinced storms are what cause people to fall away. My experience is it's when people fall away, when people abandon the faith, when people reject the faith, it has more to do with storms and less to do with like this built-out philosophical structure. Now, they might throw that out, but that's a smokescreen. Typically, it's not, well, biology says that, that, that. Typically, it's someone I love died, and I'm mad at God about it. Or this bad thing, this abusive thing happened to me. Where was God? The storms are what caused people to fall away. The storms are what caused people uh, to reject Christ. You see, fear about our future is a big danger. That, that's that's a, a bigger danger than all these philosophies. You see, when we fear we don't have a good future, we lose hope in the promises of God. You see, when we fear we don't have a good future, we simply try and maybe white-knuckle and survive the storm by doing it in our own strength. You see, when the storms come and you're overcome by fear or you're overcome by disappointment, faithfully draw near to Jesus by hoping in the fact that He is the anchor of your soul. That's how you get through those storms. That's the thing that preserves you. It's not you white-knuckling it in your own strength. It's not you building out all these reasons separate from the Lord. It's entrusting in Him. You're the boat. (laughs) Okay? You're not strong enough against the waves and in the storms. But the anchor is. Dads, when you fear, how are you going to uh, pay your bills? Intentionally take that fear to the Lord in your early morning prayers. Confess those gospel beliefs and ask God to give you the hope based upon what you believe. Moms, when, you're, uh, when you fear the decision that you're uh, going to make for your children, maybe it's going to turn out great, maybe it's not going to go the way you want, intentionally work out uh, in those early morning prayer times those fears. Take it back to those gospel truths. If you're in that storm, believe He's the anchor for your soul. You don't know the future. You don't know how it's going to turn out. God doesn't promise uh, circumstances the way you want them, but He does promise to, to be the anchor of your soul. As I thought about this passage, I thought about uh, these years when I was a student and a young adult, and, and so many times I was just paralyzed by fear about the future. Maybe some of you can identify with this, maybe you can't. But uh, gentlemen, when I would ask out girls on dates, I got a lot more no's than yeses, okay? Now listen, clearly it worked out for me in the end, all right? 
But I was just, I was just filled with fear. What is my future going to look like? Is, is somebody going to want to marry me? I mean, I'm, I'm getting a lot more no's here. You know, I, I was filled with fear about school. Am I going to be able to get into the school that I want? Am I going to be able to make the, the team that I want? Am I going to be able to keep up with people? Is somebody going to want to hire me? Am I, am I ever going to be really used by the Lord? I was just paralyzed by all this fear. And listen, when I tried to survive those fears of my own strength, I was miserable. However, in those fears, when, when I was diligent to, to push into my spiritual life and, and remember those truths of the gospel, that, that God is more powerful than all of these things, that He's good in all these things, that He's with me and that He's for me, if I could see all of that through the lens of the gospel, then I had great hope that the Lord was going to do something good through the storms. Brothers and sisters, no matter the storm, hope in your anchor. Hear me, if you're an unbeliever here today, Listen to what I'm saying and listen to what I'm not saying, okay? Listen, I'm not saying that if you submit your life to Jesus, you're never going to have storms. That's not the gospel, okay? That's what I'm not saying. But what I am saying is, is that when you do have those storms, you're going to have a Jesus with you. You're going to have an anchor that keeps you secure, Listen, if you repent of your sin today and believe in your heart that Jesus raised, you from the, that raised him from the dead, then you have real hope in the storm. No matter what storm you're facing, you have something that is stronger than that storm. You have real hope, an anchor that is going to hold you secure. The anchor holds that the ship is battered. That phrase became Pastor Lawrence's theme during that stormy season of his life. Like I mentioned, during that sabbatical, he began playing the piano. And that, that phrase that was floating around in his mind, that became a lyric to a song. Listen to the words he wrote. I've journeyed through the long, dark night out on the open sea. By faith alone, sight unknown, and yet his eyes are watching me. The anchor holds, though the ship is battered. The anchor holds, though the sails are torn. I've fallen on my knees as I've face the raging seas the anchor holds in spite of the storm i've had visions i've had dreams i've even held them in my hand but i never knew they would slip right through like they were grains of sand the anchor holds or the ship is battered the anchor holds or the sails are torn i've fallen on my knees i face the raging seas the anchor holds in spite of the storm i've been young but i'm older now and there has been beauty that these eyes have seen. But it was in the night, through the storms of my life, oh, that's where God proved His love to me. The anchor holds, though the ship is battered. The anchor holds, though the, sh- the sails are torn. That became the lyrics to the song, The Anchor Holds. God doesn't promise us a life without storms. The storms of life will always try to pull you away. But in those moments, remember and believe that Jesus is better. You have a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Jesus is your anchor. The person of Christ. Jesus is our hope and Jesus is our forerunner. Brothers and sisters, no matter the storms, hope in Jesus, your anchor. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the good news of this passage. What a glorious image of the storms of life battering us, but yet we have this anchor, this anchor that is stronger than any storm, this anchor that's just made of something that is, that is better. Lord, I thank you that that anchor is a person, 
that you're with us in these intimate and good ways, that you're always with us. You're always working good. Lord, no matter what storm maybe we are facing today or face in the future, I pray that we would be a people that will believe that you're the anchor of our soul, that you're with us in all things. It's in Jesus' name we'll pray. Amen.